Open up your Bible to the book of Philippians, if you haven't done that already. We have started into a study of this book, and um, people call it the, the epistle of joy. And last week we talked about the difference between joy and happiness. And I had somebody ask me, so are you saying that we can't be happy? And the answer to that is, of course we can be happy, but we need to understand that we have a confident expectation of what God is doing in our lives. And regardless of what may come, you may have good times, you may have bad. This is a song we were just singing about. Joy remains true. And we hold on to great truth in Christ that we have. We're going to read today from the book of Philippians. I'm in verse number one. I'm going to read here for a little ways. I invite you to read with me as we see what God has communicated to us through this book. Verse number one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all making my prayer for you all, that is, making my prayer with joy. And there's our word. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. We'll stop there for now. Paul here writes this very personal word to this church in Philippi. You need to know, we'll focus on this next week with a little more detail. Paul is in prison when he's writing this. He's sitting in a jail cell. Now, it's not exactly how we think of jails today, but you need to know he is confined here. He's not, he doesn't have freedom. And he's writing now to this church that he helped to start. God did the work, but Paul was there. And you see, all through these four chapters of Scripture, Paul's great love for these people. And along with that, we see these, these people, their, their great love for Paul. And, and also, related to that, their love for one another. So what we're going to see as we go through this book of Philippians is that God has something in store for us as His body of Christ. And it's relationship, and it's joy, and it's a confidence in what He's doing, what God is doing in our lives. You know, when I I read it this week and and thought about where I wanted to go this morning, I I remembered a a funeral that I was at recently. And um, it was was neat because it was actually a, a funeral of a very old gentleman. Okay, he's, he's approaching 90. And what was interesting that day is at the funeral were a couple other 90-year-old men. And they were World War II veterans. And they were there together. Now, I love the study of World War II. I love the study of that, that history, that time period in history. And I was able to interact with these gentlemen a little bit about, about their life story. And they had served together over in the European theater there of the war... 40 years, 50 years ago, 60 years ago now, they had served together. And in them was this this bond, this relationship as they sat there and they shared stories and allowed me to kind of listen in a little bit. You know, they had little inside jokes they would tell and they would mention somebody, remember so-and-so, and and they would kind of, you know, kind of chuckle in their old man way, okay? 
It was really, it was just awesome to listen to. And it was awesome to experience their joy with each other. And I tell you, when I read the book of Philippians, I'm reminded of that. I'm reminded of that, and I'm I'm also reminded, I I flash into our lives. As we shared last week, a lot of people struggle with joy. They don't feel like they have joy. And they look at the world around them, and and they're like, man, I see a lot of happiness out there, and I don't have it. What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, I think maybe we'll, we'll work on answering that today. So we looked at the difference last week between happiness and joy, but I want to give you a line to remember. Okay? I want you to remember what I'm going to put on the screen here. And it's this. We need to understand that united, we rejoice. Divided, we don't. And that's the truth. We need to know that today as the body of Christ. United as, the, as believers in Christ, we rejoice no matter what comes our way. But you separate yourself off and you are divided away from the body of Christ, and you don't. You don't. I, wanna, I want us to see today what God in, has in store for us. I can't promise you happiness and lollipops and, you know, skipping across the fields. I can't promise you that. But I can tell you that if you stay connected to Christ in His body, there is a promise of joy. God is the source of joy. He is the author of joy, the designer of joy, the describer of joy, the prescriber of joy. He's the one who brings joy into our lives. He's the one that allows us to see joy. You and I should be living an overflowed life of joy. Granted, sickness comes our way. Pray for Tracy Alderman. That was shared. Tracy had a nasty fall on Wednesday. And spent days this week in ICU because of her concussion. She's going to be off work for several weeks. Some of us need to come together and be a help to the Alderman family. Let me tell you, we really do. They need our help right now. I got a call yesterday from Judy Foss, another part of our body. Her father is is approaching death. And and some of you ladies who are connected unknow what that means for her. Judy is, is bearing most of the weight of the care of her father along with the care of her daughter. But you know, as I sat on the phone yesterday talking to her, and through her tears, as she cried at at such a level that at times I couldn't understand what she was saying on the phone. But all through her struggle and her tears was joy. Joy. Let's see how it is that, that God lays out for us how we are to experience this joy that Paul is, has shown us. We need to know a few things. We need to know a few things. First of all, number one, you need to know who you are. In order to live with joy, no matter what comes, you need to know who you are. Now, Paul gives us some indications of what that means. Look at me at verse number one. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus... Now, in reality, what he says here is slaves of Christ Jesus. It is the plural word, the plural form, that is, of doulos. We've talked about that before. It means a common slave of the day. Now, understand that in in Old Testament times, a slave could actually be a position of honor. 
In the Roman and in Greek world, like Paul was writing, a position of slave, a slave what had some honor associated to it, but it was certainly could be a person of expertise, of some, of some ability. Now, in the American mindset, when we hear the word slave, we think of cruelty and, and bondage. And so the word slave has a lot of different meanings. What does it mean for you and me that we are slaves of Christ Jesus? Servants of Christ Jesus. I want to tell you what it means. It means you were bought with a price. It means that you are owned by a master. It means that you are completely dependent upon Him. And He receives all of your allegiance. Now that's what it means. It doesn't mean that he treats us cruelly. It doesn't mean that we are in this, you know, shackles or something like that. It means that we are no longer ours. If you are in Christ today, it is accurate to say you are a servant or a slave of Christ Jesus. And what that means is this. When Jesus went to the cross for you, and he died in your place, when he rose victorious over death, He then brought to you victory over sin. He conquered sin and death and made you, if you received that, made you His. we got to know who we are. So you know what? He has all my allegiance. I am Christ. I belong to Him. And you know what? That brings me joy. That brings me joy. That's not the only thing we need to know about ourselves. He says, to all the saints... In Christ Jesus. Now, I I get the Washington Journal, or Post, Post, on my Kindle every morning. And I I look through the news, you know, and it's interesting to see. And and this morning, I was looking at it, and I'm like, Pope, 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 Pope. I mean, every every single article in the newspaper was about the Pope. And we see this, the saints, in verse number one. And with all of the emphasis Today, it'll be gone tomorrow, don't worry. But all the emphasis today upon, upon Catholicism, that, that can be somewhat confusing. Let me, let me explain to you what a saint is. If you are in Christ Jesus today, if you have put your trust in Christ, the Bible calls you a saint. Saint is not something that is placed upon you after death if they figured out that you worked a number of miracles and you did this and you did that. That is not what sainthood is according to the Bible. We are, if we are in Christ Jesus today, we are called saints. Do you know what that word means? It means holy one. It means one who is set apart for God's work. Listen to this truth. It's joy-filled truth. If you're in Christ today, when God from heaven, we'll, look, we'll think of it that way, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Let that hit you. God has justified you in Christ. That means he has declared you a saint. He has declared you righteous. He has said that legally before him, it is just as if you have never sinned. That's who you are today in Christ. And the third thing I want you to see here, just in the introduction, just the introduction, Paul and Timothy, servants or slaves of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. I want you to see here 
that God is wanting us to see who we are, and that includes these two groups of individuals, overseers and deacons. What is this? What's going on here? I think what Paul is trying to drive at through the, the Spirit of God working through Paul is this. We need to know who we are. We are servants of Christ. We are saints in Christ Jesus. And we are, we are meant to be part of a body of believers represented here by overseers and deacons. Overseer, that's just another word for pastor, is all that is. Deacon, these are individuals that God has given us qualifications for, and they are, they are really tasked with the responsibility of leading the church to care for itself, care for the body. So what we see here, this is the support mechanism that God has in place for His body. Understand that when God saved you, here's what He did. Know who you are. When God saved you, He said, number one, you're no longer your own. You're mine. I'm your master, God said. Number two, I declare you righteous. You now have the righteousness of Christ. You are in Jesus today. If you are saved today, you have the righteousness of God is yours. And thirdly, he says, I give you the gift of the body of Christ. Look around. This is meant to be a gift. That's right. These individuals, with all of their bumps and bruises and shortcomings and all that, God decided in His grace, He knew this about you. He knew this. He knew, united, you will rejoice. Divided, you won't. He knew you needed a group of people around you that you couldn't operate on your own. You couldn't do that on your own. So God in His grace said, I'm going to give my body of believers, the church, to one another. And so He raises up people right here, right here in our midst, who are here and tasked with the responsibility of pushing us forward pushing us forward and experiencing joy. Let me just speak directly to, to many of us. and I, In many ways, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. But I tell you, I bump into a lot of people who have no joy. Oh, they have moments of happiness, but they have no joy. And I tell you, the question I often get to is this. Well, tell me, Are you plugged into a body of believers? Are you part of a body of believers, a real part? A lot of times, these unjoyful people will say, no. Or sometimes they'll say, yeah, yeah. And I've learned, I was taught to ask this question. Oh, really? What's the name of your pastor? And people will be like, oh, I don't know. And then I instantly know, okay, i got somebody here that maybe is stretching the truth a little bit. Listen, God has placed us together for a reason. You need to know who you are. You are a servant, you are a saint, and you and I are in need of support. Get over yourself. You do need each other. We need one another. So let's realize 
United, we can rejoice. Divided, we don't. Go back to the passage, verse number 3. He writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I want you to see here that, that not only as I go into this, I want you to see not only do we know who, you should know who you are, but I'm going to change it here just by one word. We also should know who we are. There's a difference. Know who you are, now know who we are. Look at it. Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Every time I think of you, Paul says, I'm thankful. When you come to my mind, I thank God for you. Always, he says, in every prayer of mine, for you, for you all, that is, making my prayer with joy. There is thankfulness here for one another. Thankfulness. Now, I ask you to think about something you're thankful for. I want to challenge you with something, okay? Are you truly thankful for other people? Are you thankful for the people that God has brought into your life on purpose? Because here's what I find about a lot of us. Thankfulness is not something that we really have very much of. We struggle at times to be thankful. I think that is my phone. Don't call back. Boy, I'm thankful for phones. <laughs> you all are trying to call me right now. Don't do it. Don't do it. See, here's, here's a running theme in our life. Rather than being thankful, rather than, don't do it, don't call me. Don't do it. Rather than being thankful, we expect other people to be grateful for us. Now listen, it's a very important clarification. Paul says, I thank God in every remembrance of you. He does not say, you should be thankful for me. How many of us go through our relationships in our life, whether it's in your marriage, it's in your family, in your church, and this is the thought we have. Man, they are so lucky to have me. They are so lucky to have me. If I wasn't here, this and this and this wouldn't happen. She is so lucky. I look at my wife, you know, none of this. Is, she is so lucky she's got me. I mean, I do this and this and this, and she's so lucky she has me. You ever go there? It's the absolute opposite of thankfulness, and it totally destroys any hope for joy that you will ever have. Paul does not say, thank God for me. He doesn't say that. Should they have been thankful? Well, the apostle Paul is writing them. That's a big deal. But he doesn't say, thank God for me. He says, I thank God for you. You struggle with joy? You struggle with that? I challenge you on your thankfulness. Rather than sitting around and telling yourself how lucky they are to have you, how about being thankful for what you see in them? That's what Paul models for us. And it goes on in verse number 5. And what is he thankful for? In verse 5 he says, because of your partnership. This is the word koinonia. It means sharing. It means partnering together. Okay? Fellowship, your, Bible may, your translation may say. 
It means two individuals or more coming together to accomplish one goal. That's what it means. We'll see later on in the book that this included, for Paul, financial support. It included, that was part of the partnership that was there. But it was from the beginning, he said. From the first day until now, they have worked together to accomplish this task. And so then he can say verse number 6. And I love verse number 6. Listen to it. And I'm sure this. That he who began a good work in you. This is Paul writing about these people who, who are in Christ. He says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, I have seen, I am so thankful for you. You see, we need to know who we are. Paul writes, I am so thankful for you all. He's saying, I am so blessed to have you in my life. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I am blessed because you're in my life. And we have partnered together. We're we're, we're battling together. We're moving forward together in what God has called us to. And you can do things that I can't do, and you can do things that they can't do, but together we're working towards a common goal. And because of these things, because of me seeing the partnership that is there, I'm confident that God's going to finish this good work. When? On the day of Christ Jesus. See, Paul was absolutely convinced that Jesus could come back at any time. And he was right. This is a great truth for us. We need to know who we are, folks. We need to know who we are. We are a blessing to one another that are called to partner together, to share. And we have promises that have been made to us that bring us joy this is the source this is well god is the source this is how the source brings joy into our life it's partnering together i want to tell you in my life i look back and i'm so thankful i'm gonna look around and i'm meeting eyes people that i'm so thankful for we partnered together in ministry And listen, there's nothing special about me. Any one of you, I hope, could stand right here and look out among all of these individuals and you could meet eyes with people that you're thankful for, that you've partnered with, and that you are confident in what God is doing in their life. At least I hope you could stand here and do that. I hope you could. If you couldn't, will you remind yourself of something? United, we rejoice. Divided, we don't. Honestly, if you don't have a heart of thankfulness for the body of Christ, if you haven't partnered in the gospel with the body of Christ. If you don't sit here with the confidence in your gut that God is going to keep working in the body of Christ, it's no wonder you don't have joy. Do something about it. Do something. Unite with the people of Christ. Know who we are. And just to finish our our thoughts for this morning, 
jump down with me to verse number 7. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. Literally, Paul says, I hold you in my bowels, in my gut, is what he says. He's saying, man, my gut yearns for you. He is separated from them. He can't be with them. And in his gut, he wants to. For you are partakers with me of grace. Look what he says. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and in the confirmation of the gospel. Those are all legal terms. Paul's saying this. I'm going to be before the judge. And you'll be with me. And you'll be with me. Or maybe you can't be with me in, in, in physical body, but you will be with me in spirit. He says, when I stand before the judge, when I make my defense, when I try to confirm my witness, you will be with me. And it's why they had this heart together. And what is Paul driving at? What he, what he wants us to see, not only know who you are, know who we are. You need to know what God does. Know what God does. God uses the body in this way. He uses the body in this way. He weaves us together. He binds us together. And continuing on in the verse number 8, 9, and so forth, he says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Can I say a word about the affection of Christ Jesus? I'm low on time, but I I can't go past this. He says, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, affection, you know what that is? It's a a feeling of of drawing from one person to another. It's a feeling, you you could call it a love, okay? And he says, I feel for you the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, you need to know that every word is inspired and useful for teaching and instruction and so forth. Paul's not just simply using a cliche here, okay? He's not just, you know, throwing a Christ Jesus in every once in a while just to make it sound like God talk. That's not what this is. I ask you, what is the affection of Christ Jesus? If you walked in here today and I hand you a piece of paper and it was an essay, I said, I want you to write a 500-word essay. Some of you already be like, oh, great, this stinks, right? Write a 500-word essay. What is the affection of Christ Jesus? Now, if I gave you like 24 to 48 hours, I think you could do it. And this is what you would say. It looks like laying down my life for another. It looks like taking a nail that doesn't belong to me for another. It looks like dying in the place of a guilty man. Paul says, I yearn for you. How? With the affection of Christ Jesus. This is what God does. This is what God does. God takes us, just as we are, just as you are. Remember? Servant, saint, supported. God takes us, just as we are. We're a blessing to one another. We are are provision. We're promised by God. 
And what God does is he places in us the affection of Christ Jesus. God does this supernatural work in our hearts. And he makes you want to love other people the way that Jesus loved them. By dying for them. This is a work that God does. You can't fake this. You can't produce it. You can't make it. I can't put it in you. It's what God does. Listen to the end of the passage here. It's my prayer, Paul writes, that your love may abound more and more. What is that love? The affection of Christ Jesus. With the knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Where's joy come from? Joy comes in a world that opposes Christ. I know. I see it too. In a world that is flying headlong against God. I know. And we leave this place and we go live out there. And the whole world is around us. He's shouting anti-God message. I know. But yet we are called to joy. We are given joy. We are directed to experience joy. How does that happen? United, we rejoice. Divided, we don't. I guess what I'm trying to say, we need one another. We need one another. And I want to urge you to allow that to happen in your life. The only thing that binds us, by the way, let me just deal with this. The only thing that you need in common to experience this joy, the only thing you need You don't have to all be golfers. You don't have to all be softball players. You don't have to play on the same team. You don't have to root for the same team. The only thing you need for this kind of unity is Jesus. That's it. Not the same school, not the same team, not the same neighborhood, not the same color of your skin, not the same height, not the same anything. Jesus. Do you have him? Do you have him? United, we rejoice. Divided, we don't. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I I do ask you to do this work. God, um, being unified in you goes against our flesh, goes against the world, goes against Satan himself, Lord. Don't let us be divided into grief, sorrow, and a lack of joy. Lord, bring us together. Do this work in our hearts so that we can experience the joy that you call us to. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.